Welcome to the Kintsugi Life podcast with me, Toby Hazelwood. Kintsugi Life is about learning, growing and strengthening from the times of adversity and challenge that we all go through. It's about valuing them as part of what makes us who we are. Right now, let's get into the content. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Kintsugi Life podcast with me, Toby Hazelwood. Now, this episode is going to be slightly different to previous episodes in that I wanted to share with you an article that I read which I found particularly moving and particularly thought-provoking. I'll share a link to the actual article itself on Medium so that you can go ahead and and read it for yourself and um, potentially reach out to the the author of it if you find it useful and you find it as moving as I did. Um, But frankly, I felt it was too important not to share with people, so I'm just going to read it verbatim and hopefully you'll find it as interesting as I did. It's called The Comfortable Life is Killing You and it's by an author called Eric Rittenberry. Nietzsche said that society tames the wolf into a dog, and man is the most domesticated animal of all. Despite existing in an era with the highest living standards in the history of mankind, despite having easy access to most of our material needs, recent polls have revealed that we modern people are miserable, angry, fearful, depressed and riddled with anxiety, more so than ever before. Depression rates have been steadily rising in the US since the mid-1930s. Approximately 40 million American adults are said to have an anxiety disorder. Depression and suicide rates, especially among teens, has risen drastically with the rise of social media and smartphones. Over 600,000 children, five and under, are on some type of psychiatric drug in the US. And opioid overdoses among American adults are out of control. The question must be asked, why? Why are so many people depressed in an era of infinite possibilities? Why are so many people prone to anxiety in the safest, most prosperous time in history? With endless potentialities to change and set our own destinies, why are so many of us bitter and angry and pummeled with an agonising sense of meaninglessness? Freud defined depression as anger turned inwards. There's some truth to this for sure, but I think the great existential psychologist Rollo May defined it more accurately. Depression is the inability to construct a future. And anxiety simply comes from, as Rollo May also pointed out, not being able to know the world you're in, not being able to orient yourself in your own existence. Today, many people are lost, disoriented and bewildered in their own lives and many believe they're incapable of building their own future. Many feel helpless, or, in the words of Sartre, we feel the anguish of freedom. In other words, man is condemned to be free, because once thrown into the world, he's responsible for everything he does. Carl Jung, one of the most prolific psychotherapists of the 20th century, remarked that about a third of his cases were suffering from no clinically definable neuroses, but from a senselessness, an emptiness in their lives. This can be defined as the general neurosis of our times. What happened in modern society to make this state of affairs so widespread? Maybe it's because we don't have to struggle or throw our bodies into action for mere survival anymore, 
leaving more time to dwell inside our own heads. Maybe it's because hardships and dangers have been eliminated from our everyday life, and we no longer have to prove our worth or band together to overcome catastrophes. Maybe the lack of adversity strips us of meaning and purpose. Maybe it's because we're conditioned to live behind a cultural mask and we never develop the essence of our own being. Maybe it's because we're a product of polarising media propaganda, a machine that undermines our intelligence by misrepresenting information as sensationalised rubbish. Maybe it's because we bought into the big lie that status is important and that big homes and expensive cars and clothes and luxurious vacations are the way to happiness. Maybe it's because we've lost connection with the earth and instead spend our days in air-conditioned cubicles, sitting behind screens, gossiping as a way to project our own miserableness onto others. Maybe it's because our vision is narrow and we're blind, petty and stuck in a tiny crevice of our own limited perceptions. Maybe it's because we have a worm's eye view of the world instead of a bird's eye view, so the horizon seems bleak and forever out of sight. Maybe it's because we repress our instincts, the reality of our human nature in favour of conforming to the rigid standards of culture and society. Maybe it's because we sit around and wait for the universe, or God, to provide us with the life we desire, instead of taking the hard road of work and will to go after it. Maybe it's because we've been conditioned to look outside for heroes instead of behind our own eyes. Maybe it's because technology with its many benefits has also served as a buffer between us and nature, a wall that separates us from the deeper dimensions of our human existence and our experience. Though we're all connected more than ever, we're also divided, lonelier and angrier, like no other time in history. Humans evolved to cooperate and band together in small groups, which is how we survived the per perilous days of our primordial state. We evolved to live in tribes and small communities, and we found purpose in our contributions to the tribes we belong to. But this is no longer the case. Today, we're out of our element. We're not made to function in this mass society we find ourselves in. Just take a gander at Twitter or at the comments section of a political article and you'll see just how violently enraged we've become. Carl Jung understood this dilemma well when he wrote that this new form of existence, speaking of the modern mass society, produced an individual who was unstable, insecure and suggestible. Jung warned that if the individual is discounted and diminished by society, he is vulnerable to the influence of the state and other mass movements to manipulate him into serving their devious agendas. We saw this recently in the United States on both sides of the political spectrum, with the rise of the alt-right, Antifa and various other bizarre extremist groups. The bigger the crowd, the more negligible the individual, as Jung reminds us. It's undeniable that out of great effort and ingenuity we've created a highly prosperous, comfortable and thriving civilization. But the shadow side of this culture of convenience is that, as Colin Wilson and many other great think thinkers understood, it reduces the human being. The comfortable life lowers man's resistance so that he sinks into an unheroic sloth. What should we do? 
How can we overcome the pitfalls of emptiness and an unheroic sloth and tap into our full potential as human beings? I don't know the answer to that. Only you do as a unique individual. But we can pick the minds of some of the great thinkers and see what they had to say about living with purpose and vitality. Number one, let go. Americans are among the most stressed people in the world. 85% of workers worldwide admit to hating their jobs, according to a Gallup poll recently. The rat race is killing us. Get out as fast as you can. Joseph Campbell reminded us that we must be willing to let go of the life we planned so as to have the life that's waiting for us. Once, that we, once we see that the way we're living is not catering into our passions, we have to change course. We have to recapture who we were before culture moulded us into what we are today. We must, and yes, it will be painful. It will shake things up, and you'll find yourself alone trudging through the dangerous landscape of the unknown. But you must go. As Carl Jung understood, there is no coming to consciousness without pain. Number two, embrace your suffering. The world breaks us all. Use your suffering as a foundation to build your new self. As Rollo May wrote so eloquently, suffering is nature's way of indicating a mistaken attitude or way of behaviour. Every moment of suffering is the opportunity for growth. People should rejoice in suffering, strange as it sounds, for this is a sign of the availability of energy to transform their characters. Or, in the words of Charles Bukowski, you have to die a few times before you can really live. Number three, become aware. Colin Wilson once wrote, the everyday world drags us along like a slave behind a conqueror's chariot. We must learn to sever that rope to allow the mind to stand still, to become aware of its affinity with mountains and stones. With our modern day comforts and ease comes idleness and a fixation on cheap entertainment and trivial dramas. The causes our consciousness, this causes our consciousness to become thick and sluggish and we coast through most of our days like a robot, hardly able to recall what we did this morning, let alone last week. Everything has become routine, therefore forgettable and dead. But, as Alan Watts once reminded us, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with what you're doing in the here and now. And instead of calling it work, realise it's play. We have to learn to shut down the robot inside us and heighten our consciousness. And we can do this by throwing ourselves into new experiences. By adventure, by danger, by turning off the news and reading the great works of poetry and literature. In the words of Henry Miller, the aim of life is to live. And to live means to be aware, joyously, drunkenly, serenely, divinely aware. Number four. Quit shopping. If you're the typical American, you're likely drowning in debt and have nearly zilch in your savings account. And bad finances are contributing to your anger and your depression, and it's robbing you of your, you, of your humanity. You have to ignore your manufactured appetite for material possessions. Your vain quest to impress your neighbour is killing your soul and making you depressed. Northwestern University found that people who place great value on wealth, status and material possessions are more likely to be depressed and antisocial than the rest of us. It's not a secret that the less happier you become, 
the less, the less ha this you own, the happier you become, sorry. As Bukowski said, the less I needed, the better I felt. Spend money on experiences that will make your eyes explode in complete awe, rather than on the latest gadget or fad that gives you short-term happiness. As Lao Tzu advised us, chase after money and security and your heart will never unclench. Care about people's approval and you'll be their prisoner. Do your work, then step back. The only path to serenity. Number five, reconnect with the earth and our primal instincts. Jung noticed that too much of the animal distorts the civilised man and too much civilization makes sick animals. And indeed, we civilised people in the Western world are sick. Man is the only creature who refuses to be what he is, as Camus famously said. We are the only species on the planet that's been completely severed from our instincts. That huge part of us that's been repressed and replaced with phony smiles and that nine-to-five mask. As Nietzsche understood all too well, the human being is, relatively speaking, the most bungled of all the animals, the sickliest, the one most dangerously strayed from its instincts. Nietzsche concluded that the only cure for the disease called man was a return to nature, to revive our culturally suppressed primitive desires. We have to get our fingers in the soil, learn to garden, meditate, walk barefoot in a meadow or an open field, hike alone in the world, sleep on the ground, learn about and experiment with plant medicine. Once again, as Alan Watts reminds us, we do not come into this world, we come out of it as leaves from a tree. I, con I could conclude this post with a cute little motivational paragraph, but I'm not feeling it. I just want to remind you that to be alive this very moment in time is beyond a miracle, and it's fleeting because you're dying. Every breath is one breath closer to death. Are you going to take advantage of this accidental life you've been blessed with? Or are you going to fall victim to an unheroic sloth type of life that swallows the vast majority of us? I'll end with the great Charles Bukowski poem that reminds us that whatever we want to get out of this brief life, we must be willing to lose everything to get it. Go all the way. If you're going to try, go all the way. Otherwise, don't even start. If you're going to try, go all the way. This could mean losing girlfriends, wives, relatives, jobs, and maybe even your mind. It could mean not eating for three or four days. It could mean freezing on a park bench. It could mean jail. It could mean derision, mockery, isolation. But isolation is the gift. All the others are a test of your endurance, of how much you really want to do it. And you'll do it, despite rejection and the worst odds. And it will be better than anything else you can imagine. If you're going to try, go all the way. There is no other feeling like that. You'll be alone with the gods, and the nights will flame with fire. Do it, do it, do it all the way. You will ride life straight to the perfect laughter. It's the only good fight there is. So that article, as I say, is by a guy called Eric Rittenbury, who I don't know of, but I think he's an absolute genius, and I think it's one of the greatest things I've ever written. I hope you found it similarly interesting and similarly moving. And as I say, the show notes will incorporate a link to this article, so you can go out there and look at it for yourself, and hopefully show your appreciation on Medium by applauding it, because 
I think that's a really significant piece of writing that made me think, at least, about my own life and about how I'm approaching my own life. So until next time, this is Toby Hazelwood with Kintsugi Life saying goodbye. You've been listening to the Kintsugi Life podcast with me, Toby Hazelwood. You can email me on toby at tobyhazelwood.com. I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love for you to leave me a positive review if you feel unworthy of one. And I'd also love for you to share this with anyone else who you think might benefit from the content. Until next time, this is Toby Hazelwood saying goodbye.